God's been good. I do want to give a, a special thank you, and we're appreciative of you to the Miller family, and I'm glad you're here, and thank you for being here today. And I'm thankful for you and your household. I am just grateful. This, we'd be here all day having that conversation, but someday. I will say I do believe in giving honor because God does the same thing. If God thinks enough to honor uh, someone, who are we to dishonor? I'm going to read. I'm going to get right into this. And uh, I hope you're ready today. Somebody in the room say, I'm ready. Good. Good. This is going to be good. Don't, don't, don't feel like if you're new here and you're like, what the heck was all that? That worship was crazy. It's a little loud in here. Um, it probably is. Uh, no, no doubt about that. Uh, we're just excited about Jesus, and we love lifting up Jesus, and we love to point people to Jesus, and we're, we're very passionate about it. And I find it funny because there's times where people go to concerts, and they, they enjoy the concert, and it's over the top loud with 50 subwoofers and all that, and we enjoy it. But the moment we come to church and try to get loud for Jesus, people got an issue. And people, you know, there, there's people that actually, like, have, like, earplugs for people. Like, if you need an earplug, just go to the back, you know. Like, and I get it, but I'm not trying to do it where it's going to hurt somebody. I'm just saying we're just excited, and sometimes we get a little lost in his presence. And the bass player is ignorant and, you know, messes up a lot. But they, they deal with him. He needs help. <laughs> well, I'm thankful. I'm going to go to Revelations. Ooh, it's starting to service off right. Okay. You guys want to go ahead and just go to the back of the book? You want to start there? You better hold on, buckle up, and get your steel toe boots out today. No, it's going to be good. And you're like, you're starting a, a 12-year anniversary with revelations? <laughs> Absolutely. Because the word of God from the front to the backs to the maps will change your life. And all the above. I love it. It changes. It challenges. Do you feel offended? Me too. Take it up with God. Because this is what it is. Revelations chapter 21. Oh, do you realize it's, we're celebrating 12 years today? Wow. I mean, if you're just, if you're, if you're like, don't pull your head up when you walk, how could you not see that it says 12 everywhere? <laughs> And every time you walk in for something we do, it's never the same. Can anybody say amen to that? <laughs> You're, and I probably wear some people out in our church because of that. Um, but man, I love having fun doing this stuff. Revelations, real quick. We're going to dig. We're going to go quick. The kids are back there having a blast. And uh, there's only one speaker in the ch children's church today. It's a little girl. She's going to preach today. There's a girl back there preaching. That's a, that's a kid that's in the back. <laughs> They're having a party, and they decided, and she'd been studying, and she was sick and couldn't come, and Sharon is the kids director, and she said, you know what, we'll rearrange it, and we'll let you just preach the, preach the sermon today. Let's go. Why not? We ain't got to wait for them to do something great later. Let's do it now. See what God's going to do. Hey, I'm believing God's going to set somebody free back there. Maybe salvation didn't explode in her life. I don't know. Preach it, girl. Verse 9. 
Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven <coughs> last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I'll show you the bride of the Lamb's wife, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. As she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at each gate and names written on them which were the names of the 12 tribes of Judah the children of Israel three gates on the east three gates on the north three gates on the south and three gates on the west bear with me I'm screaming the whole time up here let me go back to verse 12 I want to grab this scripture real quick also the city had great high walls with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates. And the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Wow. 12 is a big number with God. 12 is a huge number with God. It's a big symbol. It's a big number. It's deep. It's all over the place. There's 12 tribes. Obviously, in this room today, there's 12 everywhere, written in different fonts and forms. And it, the, 12 is so big. There's 12 tribes. There's 12 gates. There's 12 apostles. There's 12 months in a year. There's 12 hours in a day. There's, there's 12 hours in the night. There's this revolution. Something about 12 changes things. Something about it changes things. It shifts things. Nothing's wrong with 11. Maybe you're sitting there like, oh, what's wrong? Zion, where's my son? Is he in here? I'm sorry. Hey, bud. You're 11. You'll get there. <laughs> He's like, what's wrong, Dad? I just turned 11. Why, why are you just doing that to me? I'm glad you're sitting up there. It's weird seeing you up here, but <laughs> there's nothing wrong with 11, but there's something about 12. There's something about it. You graduate high school when you pass the grade of 12. There's something about graduating. There's something about 12. 12 is a number of order, of government, of structure. It's a number, it symbolizes graduation. It's, it symbolizes the structure and the order of something. Something about it when you get to 12. When you get to 12, <coughs> you mean business. When God gets you to 12, heaven means business. I'm going to say that again. When you get to 12, you mean business. But when God gets you to 12, heaven means business. That's the truth. Heaven means business. See, God's been looking to build something for a whole long time. Ever since it started. In Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And the earth was without form and void, and and the darkness over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the water, and God said, Let there be light. I read faster than you could see it. But God said, Let there be light. He's been trying from the very beginning to build something ever since the beginning, ever since light started to exist. We thank God for the light, amen? His light. He's been trying to do something. So from the moment of creation and until now, God has firmly establishing something. From as he spoke things into existence and he stooped down to create the human beings, he's been on a move to do something, to establish something. He's been trying to get something across. He's trying to build something. He's trying to establish it. Today we celebrate God's establishing of Remnant Church and what it means to the kingdom of God. <clears throat> what it means, we're still a young, we're, we're a young church, 12, 12 years old. There's a lot going on at 12 years old. <laughs> but God has been establishing something. And what that is meaning to the kingdom of God with what is happening right here, right now, it's not an accident that you're here. Whoever invited you or however you got to get here today, you're here on purpose, with purpose, and we pray that God will do something incredible in your life. And we're thankful you're here today. But he's doing something. There's a significance to today that cannot be overlooked. It's not just a regular Sunday, church. It's not just a regular service. It's just not another weekend. There's something that has shifted in the spirit that needs you to understand. It's time to celebrate. It's a celebration what God has done because hell never wanted you to see 12. It's a celebration. You should, the four people got a hold of that one. Did you hear what I said? Hell didn't want Remnant Church to even see 12 years old. That's a celebration. You would be blown away with the average of churches that get started, that that quit as they get started, or churches today that are shutting down left and right, fighting and feuding and going through the motions and struggling. It is sad because that's not what he ever desired. But it's happening. And so we, we keep going every year, pushing through, Saying, nope, not today, when it feels like something might not work. Not today, when every, all the stuff says, well, we got to raise all your prices so your, your electric bill is going to go sky high and all your ACs are going to go out at once. And all your, not today, Satan. Nope, we're going to keep moving. God's people are still faithful. We're still pushing. There's still people to be talked to. There's still valuable people in the shadows. Not today. You can push whatever you want to push, but we're not stopping. So whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get there. And so there's something about celebrating that we cannot bypass because he's doing something great and he's been doing it. And we continue to go further and further. Again, the enemy never wanted us to get to 12. Not at all. Not at all. You're not going to make it to 12. The crazy thing about 12 is there's so much significant with 12. The enemy's scared now. You already got him shaken up a little bit because you've already surpassed right here in this moment, 12. We put a stamp on the devil's head just to remind him that we're here at 12 right now. 
there's something incredible about it. There's always shadows of what God wants to do. <coughs> and, and was trying to construct in the Old Testament. Whether you look at the construction of the tabernacle, whether you look at the understanding of the 12 tribes of Judah, of Israel, there is always something God is trying to build. And then, of course, you get to the New Testament. And, and this God-man, fully God, fully man, he's 200%, this Jesus Christ, the Yeshua HaMashiach, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, the prophesied Messiah, comes on the scene. And so many people in that time, as he comes down and comes on the scene, thought he was going to be the political figure that's going to set him free from the, the, the hold and the, the oppression of Rome and rule that's kept them oppressed. They thought, this is the one. You're going to set us free. We're going to create a rebellion, and we're going to get free from Rome. But they were wrong. Because it wasn't about that moment. It's about the kingdom of God. But aren't we living that now? <laughs> Thinking that somebody's going to set us free. And it's about the kingdom of God. See, Jesus, he says, I'm not really here to run for political office. I'm a monarch. I'm a king. I don't vote because I'm already on the throne. We don't, he don't need any of that. He is already on the throne. And so I'll say it like this, for the people who would try to minimize the cross of Christ to shadow their political affiliation, let me help you understand something today, church. Uh, Jesus is neither Democrat or Republican or Independent, and those uh, who construct of those people that, that, those people that want that power that are involved in all that, why would Jesus play with that when he already has all the power? Come on, he, he's not doing it. He's king over all, king of kings. Lord of all lords. We say it like just because it's Christian lingo, but do you really believe that he stands in front and the kings of this world would have to take a knee to him? Or do it, everybody just bow down to everything? Come on, he's good. So in the New Testament, Jesus arrives on the scene and changes everything. Strange that Jesus is in a development in establishing his Father's will by choosing 12 crazy guys. As he's here, as he's on the earth, he just picks 12 cats, riffraffs, craziest people. And that's what messed up the establishment because they thought he was coming on a white horse, coming into the palace or coming into the temple and getting the Pharisees and Sadducees were going to get involved. He's like, no, I need you. You're a tax collector. I need you. You kind of cuss. I need you. you need, you're so doubtful, but I still need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. And he was, he was just picking these guys. And he's like, do you want to do this? Come follow me. We're going to change the world. Come follow me. We're going to change the world. So he picks 12 guys, hard workers. They're hard workers. Picks these hardworking dudes, these guys who are setting up, doing great things, who are not afraid to get dirty. That's the kind of people you want in your life. Who are not afraid. He's picking them and doing all this stuff. Not dudes who are sitting around getting manicures and pedicures. You know, we... we a lot of that we're talking about spiritually that the, the, the problem we're facing is that too long we've, we're, we've now been infected with the spirit of casual. 
Too long we've been infected with the spirit of casual, um, we've, we've been infected with it. The culture, I guess you would say, a culture of casual. Everything real casual now. People are casual with the things of God. People are casual with the presence of God. Casual with their worship to God. We come in when we want. We leave when we want. We check our watches in the middle of worship. We'll stop and check our, our social media and our emails during service. Just real casual with the things of God. And God's like, see, you need a miracle. And you're worried about an email. You need a miracle and you're still checking your social media post. You need something to, to change in your life, but you're still caught up with what you're doing. We're just so casual thinking, well, it's just what it is. I gotta do it later, you know, it's what it is. And we come and we want a move of God and all we keep doing is just scrolling and, and just being casual. Well, I'll just come later, I'll come now, I'll come whenever. And too many times, you see it across the, the church in general, that there's just, everybody's just so super casual. God's like, I want to do something, but you're still worried. Isn't it funny? You can, you can come uh, in and assume one thing and miss the thing you came for. <laughs> you can come in assuming one thing and miss the thing you came for. Isn't it funny? God's, God's usually like, he's like, it's so funny that you can come and assuming one thing and, and, and miss out. And, because the culture of casual has infected Christian thoughts. And there's nothing wrong with being dressed casual. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that. And in fact, it'd probably help you get your worship on. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got your pants, you, you ready to go. God, I'm coming for you today. There's nothing wrong with it. People, you know, there's, there's that side of things too where people are struggling with how people should look when they come to church. I didn't know we had security like that. <laughs> you good. <laughs> oh, bro, you got to take your hat off. You can't be in here. But Sister Tacky Mouth with her yellow dress and her yellow hat can come in. Go ahead. You look good. There's something wrong with the church. Am I not speaking truth, though? A lot of people don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. And I get casual and getting your worship on and coming and being excited. God, I'm coming for you. There's got to be this moment where you're just done and you're fed up. God, I'm coming for you. I'm coming to lift you up. I don't care what anybody looks like. I don't care what they say. I don't care anything. I'm coming for you. I'm not coming for nobody else, but I'm coming to lift your name up. That's why I'm coming to church today. I don't need a casual encounter. I need a miracle. I need an encounter with Jesus Christ. I need him today. But everything else has been casual, so everything else has to be. I don't need a casual miracle. I need an encounter with God that's going to blow my mind to pieces and transform my thoughts. How did you come today? You know, a lot of times we... We have moments because when we walk indoors, we, we get to a place where we feel like, how do I get to like focus on God because I've already come with an expectation of how I feel? How do I focus on God because I came with an uh, a expectation? Or you're invited to church and there's a lot of times that, uh, uh, can I just start with me? It's okay if I put me on blast. I, Brandon Norman, 42 years old, watch your mouth. Is that you, Sam? You woeing back there? Boy. Boy. 
Just wait. You just wait. I'm going to watch it unfold. I, hand up, have been hurt by church. Hand up. I have been hurt by this church. Ooh, that got real quiet now. Woo! Fun times. Okay. Anybody else want to raise their hand and say they've been hurt by church? Hey! There's a remnant of people. I'm not saying it's like it was bright or anything like that. What I'm trying to say is if we come in with so much wall that we don't get to receive what God has for me, I can't help that people hurt. Look, church is going to hurt you. You know why? It's full of people. People are not perfect. I will offend you real quick. Catch me on a bad day. No. Maybe. I don't know. That might happen. I don't know. Stub my toe. I'm like, ah, get out of my face. You know. You offend me. He said, get out. Or you're offended because I didn't shake your hand or something weird. Like, you watch me run around. I can barely stop when my mom's wanting to take a picture with me. I'm like, looking for, but the point, the point is, is when we come to church, there's too many times that before we even get in the doors, we've already set in our mind how we want things to be. And God's trying to break down the barriers and let you know that everybody's dealing with something and just come and get him. No matter what, that, just like that kid, he's like, I don't want to say nothing. I said, just focus on, on, just focus on me, and you don't have to look at them, and we're just going to have a conversation, and it's okay. And I think what God's trying to say in that same thing is just focus on me. No matter what's going on, just keep your eyes up on me. And no, no matter what happens, I, I, I got you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to heal your body. I'm going to heal your life. I'm going to help you through this. Just keep it on me. Don't keep shifting. Don't keep shifting. What would we talk about before about being shifty and about blurry? Makes you worried. So, these things happen. They happen all the time, but we got to get to a place coming to Jesus and know that it doesn't matter what it looks like. What I'm trying to say in the end of this is casual Christianity's got to go. It's got to go. It, 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 it is t- I don't know if you're just watching and paying attention to the world and to the news and to the, the, the weird shootings and people getting shot and people just dying and, and why why that somebody needs to walk into a a store and kill a bunch of people that don't look like the same color. I'm tired of racism. I'm tired of all the junk that's happening across the, anybody else agree with me? Or you you see what I'm saying? Like, something's got to give. Somebody's got to, it's got to give. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus was establishing something. He chose 12 guys. Now you're talking about what we're doing right now. And back then he chose 12 guys and with the craziness. There's crazy stuff going right now. God is raising up a remnant that has reached 12. He's chose 12 regular dudes, dudes that didn't even know what was really going on, but chose to follow him. And Jesus is with these guys and they're walking and it's in Matthew 16. It's not on there, but I'm just going to talk about it. That Jesus is like gets to a point with the disciples and he's like, hey, what do they say? What are they saying about me? Who? Do they say that I am? Who do others say that I am? And you know the story if you've heard it, and if not, uh, I'll make it real quick. That it, some are saying, like, you're like John the Baptist. You're like, you're like Moses. You're like this. You're like that prophet. You're like this person. You're like that. You're like, they started rambling off. And Peter, Simon, ra- raises his hand, and he's like, let me tell you who you are. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And Jesus looks at him and stops and says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But I say to you, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. There's something about 12. There's something about 12 that Jesus is trying to establish, that he wants to establish in the church. He's using 12 ordinary people, and he still is. Uh, My question to you today is, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? Is he, is he some, yeah, yeah, he's like that one guy. Oh, he reminds me of that one guy. You see that in sports and all kinds of stuff. They're like, yeah, he reminds me of that. You know, he kind of played like Michael Jordan. Yeah, he, he reminds me of that guy when he used to play. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is, church? Who do you say he is? If you're the one in here saying, I believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. If that's you, God bless you. Is that you? Is that you today? That you could say without a shadow of doubt, if somebody at your workplace or at the grocery store, who do you say Jesus is? He's the son of God. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord. If that's you, let me read it to you again in a message. Simon said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back and said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or teachings. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on a secret of who I really am. Now, I'm going to tell you who you really are. On the count of three, everybody shout your name to me. One, two, three. Brandon. So I'm going to tell you who you really are. Your name is Brandon. Your name is Larry. Your name is Sam. Your name is Jeremy. I can name a bunch of names that are sitting in this room. Because if you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross and lives and he's the son of God, good for you. God bless you. Let me tell you who you are today. Hmm. Your name is Jim. A rock. A rock which I'm putting together my church. A church so expansive with energy that the gates of hell will not be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete access, complete free access to God's kingdom, a keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth and earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. Good for you. God bless you. The reality is, is if you accept and you know who Christ really is, then he's saying, I, you, good for you, calls you by name. It says, you're the church. Because you know who I am and you know what the purpose is. You have a heart for my house. You're the church. And so I'm going to build my church upon, and the gates of hell. It's going to be so full of energy and exciting. That's what I believe. That's what I stand on. Because now in this time and era, we're saying we know who he is. And he's saying, good for you. Good for you, Felicia. Because you know you're the church. 
I'm building my church. A church so expansive with the energy that not even the gates of hell going to keep it out. So whatever your name is, put it in there. You can use your Bible. It's okay to mark it and just kind of just lightly take Peter's name out and put your name right in its place. Good for you, Brandon. I'm going to use you to build the church because you know who I am for real. He used 12 guys, 12 men, 12 that submitted to the purpose of God. 12 is, like I said, it's significant. It's huge. Jesus did something just like, let's just go back a little bit. Jesus did something at 12 years old. Jesus is crazy. But throughout the Bible, if you read about all these significant moments, there's a moment when he's 12. It's in Luke chapter 2. You've got to go back and read it. You need to read that and check that out on your own. It's crazy. Jesus is 12 years old, just a little bit older, a year older than my son. He's in the temple. He's in the temple. His parents were there. There's stuff going on. And I don't know, church, real quick, I don't know how many kids you have to have. Or how much stuff that has to be on your mind. The Bible says that, that Mary and Joseph and those, they were traveling like, like three days. So they left the temple. They're traveling three days. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh. Where's Jesus? Now how much stuff you got to have on your mind? And stuff going on in your life to be three days later, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? You know Joseph and Mary weren't ghetto because ghetto people are like, get over here, sit down, be beside me right now. You know they wasn't ghetto. Right now, I said no. Don't you move now. Sit down. I, bet, I dare you to move. Don't, some of you are laughing because some of you are that. Clapping your hands, I told you. Biting your lip like something's about to go down. I, hey, don't make me. Don't make me. Since my father-in-law's here, I remember my wife telling me a story that she wouldn't stop, and you was like, you didn't really say nothing. Probably you said stuff, and knock it off, knock it off, and, and Al, he didn't say nothing, but all they heard in the entire sanctuary, no, daddy, don't do it, daddy, no, no, daddy. True story, Jennifer. So you know Mary and Joseph wasn't ghetto. They was just like, oh, where's Jesus? It's been three. How much grape juice have you been drinking, Mary? Have I seen Jesus? Turn up. Let's go. You got to be kidding me. Oh, they're just like, just go, little Johnny. Just go run around, do whatever you want. Life is so good. Look, there's a cliff. Just jump. You know they wasn't ghetto because they were like, sit down, be quiet right there. I told you. I can tell another story because my grandpa's here, but didn't you say, Grandpa, to Mom, when I get home? That's all you said. Just wait till I get home. Drama for your mama. <laughs> and it's crazy because how you go three days, two nights, and not know Jesus ain't around? <laughs> how are you going to go that long and not know? Hmm. Not know that the firstborn, the savior of the world, is not with you. Just being your, your own kid, but let alone being the savior of the world. Now, a lot of times we got kids just running rampant. 
trying to rule a house and do all kinds of stuff. And they throw fits. And, and yeah, the stores don't make it nice when you got all the goodies all right there when you're trying to check out. And they're like, I want it, I want it, I want it. No, no, no. Okay, you can have it. If you be quiet, I'll give it to you. You're the donkey. You're the sucker. Meow. You just go ahead and get one for you too. You see what I'm saying? But, man, if, if they had that, that ghetto juice in them, they'd be like, I said, knock it off. You're right here. We're walking all the way back. I don't know how many. You're walking beside me now. <laughs> Where's Jesus? Haven't seen him for three days. Wild stuff. I'm not making this stuff up, guys. You're really thinking, this is wild. No, I'm telling you what the Bible says. I might have added a little cartoon to it, but I'm telling you what it says. And what's crazy is Mary's like, well, I guess we'll go back. <laughs> you guess? It's your son. Now you got to walk your little happy feet all the way back to Jerusalem. Nobody can call an Uber. Kavaris ain't picking you up in the Tesla. We just got to keep going. You know what I mean? Like we got to walk all the way back or drag this donkey all the way back. We got, I guess we got to go find Jesus. And, and what's crazy is they go all the way back, and she's looking all around the city and can't find him. But he's exactly where he was when they left. He's exactly where he was when they left. And I, I think in this moment, I think, whew, I think there is this prophetic declaration in this moment. Because we've been running around trying to find Jesus, and he's exactly where you left him. They're looking all for him, but he's exactly where you end up leaving him. Still there. In the temple, in the local church. He said, don't you know I'm about my father's business? And what's crazy is we got like 45 million self-help books in the bookstore. And if they truly worked, wouldn't the books area be empty? Like 45 million, wouldn't that section just be per completely empty but you can't help yourself nor can you change yourself you can't redeem yourself you can't deliver yourself you need that boy that was 12 in the temple the 12 year old that was sitting there confounding the rabbis and they didn't even know what he was saying he's sitting there Speaking all this knowledge at 12 years old. And you can see the rabbis, they kind of ghetto because they do weird stuff. They're like, boy, get out of here. You bother me. Get, your face. get out of my face. Quit saying this to me. I don't even know what you're talking about. Whose kid is this? Why is he still here? We got a certain thing we do. Get out of here. I don't even know what it means. He's like, yeah, I know you don't know what it means because I wrote it. I know what it means. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got this, this kid sitting in the temple. See, he's the sum of all words, staring right in the sum of all that is holy, staring right in their face, and they didn't even know it. See, you can be in the presence of the 12 and miss the entire thing. Miss the whole thing. And then you got him at 12 years old doing this. And then now you got another situation where Jesus is a little bit older now, a, a lot older now. And he's stuck. <coughs> Between two twelves. We got him at 12 in there in the temple, blowing minds. Now we got him in the middle of two twelves. Wait, hold on. Who touched the hem of my garment? 
Wait, hold on. There's a 12-year-old that just died. I got to get to that house. Wait, hold on. She's been struggling for 12 years? Wait, wait, hold on. And the dad's like, no, you got to get, I don't care what's going on with her. She'll dry up later. I got to get you to my house. No, hold on. Somebody touched me and the anointing came out of my life and it went into her life. And so now you got Jesus at 12. Now he's stuck between two 12s. What do I do? Well, what does he do? He heals and he resurrects. That's what he does. I don't know if that's for you. I don't know if you got a 12-year situation or you in your 12th moment right now and you need a healing or you need a resurrection in your life. But that's for you, church. You in a 12 moment right now. And all you need is the Savior of the world standing right in the middle of it all. I need a resurrection in my life. I need a healing in my life. Just put him in the middle of your situation. We find him older, sitting between the 12s, trying to figure out this kid's 12 years old and just passed away. And the only reason the kid passed away is because this healing took place with this woman that's dealing with 12 years of suffering. But he needed that kid to die because nobody knew he was going to resurrect. They needed to see him as a resurrection, not just a healer. They just saw a healer. They need to see a resurrector. I don't know about you today sitting in this room, but this is your 12 moment. You need a healer? There he is. Do you need a resurrection in your life? There it is. Have you been struggling for 12 years? Here it is. This is the same God. This holds true. What is this? Anointing oil. Is it going to set you free? No, but the power of God will set you free. That flows in. You see what I'm saying? You're all sitting up at 3 in the morning getting the holy oil and holy water, and they're going to send it to you, and it's going to set you free. The only way it's going to set you free is if the Lord is putting his anointing on the oil. Well, well I don't got no anointing oil in my house. I don't care if you get some dang Crisco. God, I offer it up to you. That's all I have. You know, in my heart. Then go anoint your house. Man, this house like, smells like fried chicken. <laughs> but what, does that look weird to some people? Absolutely. But Jesus healed people weirdly. But you, you, don't get me started on that. I got to keep going. Never mind. We got a lot of stuff people are stuck on. Stuck on the gifts of the Spirit and, and okay with donkeys talking. Stuck on the gifts of the Spirit and okay with ravens bringing food. Everybody stuck on something. Anybody else hear that stuff sometimes? You okay with this and not okay with that? I can't believe that casino's in our town. That's horrible. But you're good with the three... Uh, Strip clubs in the city, right? Casino, casino. But nobody's shouting about the three strip clubs that's destroying lives. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying if you're going to do it, do it all. Quit picking and choosing and act like nothing else exists. Let's just be real about it. But let's, let's keep the king on the throne. Let's keep him in the center of what we do. You need a healing, boom, there he is. You need some, boom. Guess what? If he's in the middle, then I'm in reach of everything with him. Put him in the middle. This is your 12, church. Oh, I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> Woo, I got to go. Some cupcakes. Um, oh, there's so much I want to say, Jesus. Is this good stuff? And, and what's crazy is... Uh, He's stuck between that, and Jesus sends, Jesus is there to establish the kingdom of God. 
And, and what's crazy is it's, 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 it's that, that scripture. I'll just kind of sum it up. It's, it, it says, our Father, who art thou in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. So Jesus came to manifest that prayer. He's manifesting that prayer so heaven comes down. Eternity invades time. Starts showing off all these miracles. But what is that Jesus is trying to establish? He's establishing not a, not a, not a physical kingdom, but a, a mindset. Jesus is trying to establish a mindset in people. Where you understand that the kingdom of God is not just somewhere far off by the, the great by and by. It's, it's, it's to understand that we right now, as he is, so are we in this world. Right now. I know some of you didn't catch that. And, and, and the rest of you, maybe one caught it and the rest of you trying to figure it out. But, but the moment you realize that the kingdom of God is inside of you right now, you will function different. When you realize that the kingdom of God is within you right now, you're going to speak different. You're going to declare differently. You're going to walk on a different level with authority, with Christ. You're going to do something with power and authority, with Christ that dwells within you. You won't ask the, the devil permission. You know, devil, excuse me. <clears throat> Can you please get away from my family? Excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Do you mind sticking away from my, my health and my finances and uh, could you leave my marriage alone please <clears throat> excuse me don't mean to bother you but excuse me but when's God going to have a, a generation of people that says you know what I bind you in the name of Jesus you don't have authority over my mind my marriage my finances my health nothing get out get out you don't belong here when are we going to walk in that authority why are we so scared? Why do we get loud about everything and whisper about God? And excuse me, devil. Why are we whispering? The devil looks at you with your little cowardness and like, what's this? When are you going to start walking with your back straightened up and you walking like, you don't belong here? Why? Because I have authority because every place I take is holy because the Holy One lives inside of me. This is your 12, church. Excuse me. You don't. He's establishing something. He's not just going to do, and, 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 and he's coming, and he's not going to just be like, well, if you want to. No, he's trying to establish. Heaven is coming to us. What's crazy, what I read is about the new Jerusalem. It's deep. you got to go back and read the whole thing. So basically, this new Jerusalem's coming down, and we're coming to meet him, and it's a cool, crazy thing. We're going to meet him. It's buck wild. You just need to read that chapter. It is crazy. There were 12 gates in the city. And it's funny, uh, when you think about heaven, you don't think about construction, you think about establishment. When you think about heaven, you don't think about the construction, you think about establishment. But the Bible says that on each gate, that one of each gate was made with one single pearl. You, you got to wrap that around your head. Because if you remember, if you keep reading in that same chapter, it talks about their streets of gold. That the gate is one pearl, made from one pearl. Now that's a dang big pearl. <laughs> and they ain't no small pearl. That it was made from one huge pearl. It talks about the types of stones and the foundations of the wall. 
I'm helping you understand that the 12, it's no small thing. There's something significant about it. The, the 12 is big to God. There were 12 gates in this city, in the city. And when God wants to establish something, he gets it to 12. When God wants to establish something, he's getting it to 12. That's why you don't ever hear the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. You never hear about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. You never hear about Esau. You should have heard of Esau. You should never have heard of Jacob. You should have heard of Esau. But see, God knew Jacob would give him 12. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're talking about the 12 sons of Israel that end up being the 12 tribes of Israel. God knew that Jacob would give him 12. Jacob had the capacity to produce 12. 12 is the number, like I said, of government, of structure, of order. It's God, he wants to live in every area. So why is Remnant Church seeing these supernatural moments that are happening off and on with us? Why are people singing songs that we have written in this place? We've written over a hundred songs here. It's crazy. Why, why is that happening and people are singing these songs that we sing in church and wish you could find it on YouTube? Someday. Why would God trust the vision so big with a small group of people from Terre Haute, Indiana? Why would God trust that so, such a big vision with a small group of people with all their hurt and all their baggage and all their flaws and all their church hurt? Maybe because God knew that those people would give him 12. Amen? Maybe because, it's like a hesitation. Should I clap? Maybe because God knew that those people would give him 12. He's looking for someone that would give him 12. I'm going to give you everything, God. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you 12, whatever that looks like. I'm going to give you my mind, my will. I'm going to give you my intellect, my purpose. I'm going to give you my passion. I'm going to give you my present, my future, my pain, my scars, my flops, my here, my forever. I'm going to give it all to you, all 12 of that. I'm going to give every bit of that to you today, God. So anybody that says, I'll give it all to him. I want to give it all to him. See, if, you, if you're willing to give it to him, you're going to start to see the kingdom of God established in your life. Yeah, I want to get to heaven. Absolutely, that's the goal. But I also want to see heaven right here, right now. I want to see it. The 12th gate. That's why I want to talk about that. Like I said in Revelations 21, can you imagine the establishment from the old into the, into the new, and then you got the Old Testament in the Hebrew, and the Bible shows us clearly in the Old Testament the strength and vulnerability of, of any stronghold rest in its gates. The strength of a stronghold rest in its gates. Which means this very thing, that the enemy is going to be looking for gateways. Hear me, church, real loud and clear. The strength of the city rests in its gates from the access points. That's why the enemy is trying to fight the gateways. He's looking for a gateway. He's not going to attack your marriage head on. 
He's going to attack your insecurity, which is a gateway into your marriage. He's looking for a gateway. He's not going to attack your gifts. He's going to attack that area where you think you're disqualified. And he's going to hammer it and hammer it because it's a gateway. And you're talking about, in your mind, you're talking yourself out of your destiny because he's trying to get in a gateway into your thoughts to stop you from your destiny. The enemy's trying to find any way into those. He's looking for gateways. He's always looking for a gate. That's why you got to make sure your foundation is set and your gates are established, church. And I'll just be real. Some stuff needs to be closed, right? You got the ten virgins, the five foolish, and five wise. The, the wise, we know. They kept their stuff. They were going in. Comes the groom comes out. They go in. The five foolish are running to find more because they don't have any more light to be shining so he could see them. And then they get to the door. I can't get in. I need to get in. Wait, I can't get in. Can I get in? No, you can't get in. We've already been in. We're already in the middle of this. Now you're going to just come in and interrupt. You can't get in. I'm sorry. We don't know you. And that's the problem. That you missed it. You were outside of the gate, and it was closed. You missed it. This is the idea of the gate. God is saying, I need you to establish, to be put in this place and ready. I don't need you moving. Get it plugged in. God's trying to tell you, I don't need you moving. I don't need you church hopping. I don't need you trying to figure out if there's another church with a better sound and a better vision and a better place for me to serve. Don't they understand that I want to be on the worship team and I need to be singing up there? Whatever it is, I don't know. It could be anything. But you need to get established. I got gifts too. See, the problem we have today, church, is that God is not elevating gifts in this season. He's elevating hearts in this season. That's one to chew on. He's elevating hearts. Your gifts can only get you so far. But what is he elevating? The heart of a person. There's something when God brings to earth and it looks like heaven. It's amazing what happens. That's why this church is so important. I'm almost done so you can get the Golden Corral. I'm almost done. Um, Sizzlers, wherever you go. Ponderosa. Um, <laughs> That's why this church is so critical and so important. 12 years. 12 years. What a critical moment. Think about what happened in the last 12 years of our nation. Think about that from the last 12 years. Then look around at the people sitting next to you and tell me why this church isn't important. This church is valuable. Very important. I don't know if anybody else other than the staff know what's really going on then. That's why it's so important. That's why we keep on pushing the vision and, the, and pointing people to Jesus. That's why we're not going to give up. That's why I post so much stuff about the church and what's going on with the kingdom of God and how you can get some help. I'm not going to just keep on doing dumb stuff and pushing stuff. I'm going to push the gospel. I'm going to push the goodness of God. All these people getting baptized, we're going to throw it online. We're going to like, look what the Lord has done. It's 12 years in Terre Haute with the help of God and a small team of people together. What I love about this church is this church looks like heaven. 
I love it. I love the different backgrounds and culture and the diversity. I love this church. We are made it to 12. It looks like heaven. And that means God is establishing something when you get to the last gate put in place. That's the deal. When you get to the 12th gate, which is the last gate of the city, when you get it established, that's when God can establish the city. When you get it put in place, everything gets locked in place. Here we are, church. It gets established. That means God can start allowing things to come in that didn't come in before. Man, because when you're under construction, some stuff he won't bring. Got to be established. Some stuff under construction, he won't bring. This is the 12th year. This is the 12th gate. This is the moment of establishment. That should set you free and definitely should set, a, set free the single people in the room. I'm looking for my Boaz. Where's my ribs? Like, <laughs> some of you are like, what the heck? This guy's crazy. <laughs> don't act like you don't know. <laughs> Keep looking. Keep looking. Got to bring it around. You know how you can find the right one in your life? Just keep your head focused on Christ, and he'll bring that one right in. You get snugged right in beside each other. And don't get, get caught up getting all, getting all weird and goofy. You know what you do? Just scoot up. Keep doing what God asks you to do. And if you pop up again and you're by each other, still doing the work of the Lord, put your head down. Keep going. And you pop up again doing the work of the Lord, put your head down. Keep going. Eventually, God's going to start bringing these roads together, and they're just going to be like, hey, girl. <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> But it ain't like, no, nothing lust for or nothing. It's like, man, we've been, we've been knocking walls down. We've been going to hell, taking back the people that belong to heaven. We keep robbing hell together. Let's go. It's time to start robbing hell and advancing the kingdom of God. Oh, a little, that's a little side note for single people. Um, yeah. God is constructing something in each one of us, and its purpose is bigger than ever before. It's bigger than anything we could ever imagine. There's a purpose bigger than our pain, greater than our past, greater than our fears. But God wants to establish his kingdom in us. So when the kingdom comes down, that means stuff has to get out of the way for it to come down. Some insecurities got to go. Some of those fears got to go so it can make room for the kingdom coming down. The flesh has to go. The old habits have to go. There's stuff God wants to literally move out of your way. This is the beauty of the construction process. He's putting in gates. He's getting rid of old gates. How many of us got some old gates we got to get rid of? We got to get some of these gates up out of the way. You know what I'm saying? Or, or still battling with messes of, of offenses. We still mess with the offense of something. Somebody offends you and you hold on. And God's trying to tell you, let it go. Quit holding on to the offense. Let it go. You need to grow. Let it go. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. And, and it might be something crazy, and, and I'm not taking light of it. It doesn't matter how old. You might, be, you might be up in your 60s or 50s, and you're still dealing with something that happened like 30, 40 years ago. It's time to grow up and move on. I'm not, please believe, I'm not trying to take lightly of anything. But what happens is the enemy tries to lock you into a fence and doesn't get you to get up out of that thing and tries to get you locked up. It's time to go. You don't see the miracles breaking out yet because you're still worried about the offense. 
because you've got gates that are creaky. Creak, creak, creak. You ever need some WD-40? Creak, creak, creak. Messing with some creaky gates. Stop messing with the creaky gates. God's trying to establish a new city in your life. He's wanting to put in a new gate. You're here at the 12th moment. He's trying to do something great. He's trying to do something. I need to do something because we got to get going. I need the worship team to come up, but I need you to come up this way and quit trying to be polite and go around. Just need you to come up quicker than acting like we're trying to hide and there's like 15 of you being ninja. Be ninja this way. I was going to do it the other way, and I appreciate you guys because I know it's hard to walk all the way around. It's a big building. So, look at you. Let me just touch your hand. Okay. I'll touch yours too. Okay. Excuse me. Uh, God is trying to build something. God's trying to transform something. I'm landing this bird right here. Let me read you this in Psalms. Just play lightly if you can. If not, just listen. Um, Psalm 24, 1 through 7. The earth is the Lord's. I'm saying it fast. And the fullness and the world of those who dwell in, therefore, New King James Version. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hills of the Lord. Who may stand in his holy place. He who has a clear, clean hands. Sorry, my mouth is so dry. Clean hands and a pure heart. Who has that lifted up in his soul to an idol or nor sworn deceitfulness. He shall receive blessings from the Lord and the righteousness of the God of our salvation. This is Jacob, the generation to those who seek him, who seek his face. Pause, Selah. Then he says this, lift up your heads, O you gates. We're at the 12th gate. And lift up you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. This is the very important verse. The word gates literally means stubborn gates, rusty gates, unmovable gates. Lift up, you, lift up your gates. Lift your heads up. Lift up, gates. Rusty gates, stubborn gates, unmovable gates, stuck in your same position gates, locked up in religion gates. He's trying to tell people, just put your eyes back on me. It's an ancient door. It's literally saying, I've been here a long time, and I'm not going. Hold on. I'm not going anywhere. There's some doors in our lives and some gates that are in our lives that have been there for so long, that have been sitting there for so long that have been rusting out, that have been shutting out, that have been part of our path, a part of our wounds, that have just been there, barely moving, barely. Jesus is like, lift up your heads, O you gates, for the king of glory. God says, I need you to declare, lift your heads, gates. Lift up your heads. I need you to lift up your heads, O you everlasting doors, for the king of glory will come in. What I'm saying is, there's old gates, and it's got to change. 
so the kingdom of glory can come in. What I'm saying is God's trying to do something. There's something about the 12th gate that God is trying to establish his kingdom, and it's happening. He's trying to use you. Twelve years we celebrate the establishment of Remnant Church. Twelve years. A church that looks like heaven. The sound of Remnant is not no small thing. What God is doing here is not no small thing. God has decided that the sound of Remnant is the sound that can be trusted to introduce people into the presence of God. Come on, church. And you wonder why God has allowed us to write these songs and, and, and do the things we've been able to do and to get into the shadows of our city and do stuff into there. Because it's time to establish. Together we can do it. Together we can make a difference. He's using remnant. That's why it's so important about build this house and the legacy project, how, how we're going to transform it. I'm not getting into this deep because I got, I'm just going to hit it once real lightly. But we are at a season of establishment. But here's what's crazy about the establishment. Everything in here has to be transformed. We need an entire new sound system, new lighting, new electrical red, new sound system in the back, everything. It's not like, I'm like, oh, you're here just that. No, I'm just telling you the reality. I know that God is trying to do something. And even in the worship, that it's going to be a spearhead that is going to go further than ever before. But if we get the right sound equipment, we can start recording and you can find us on Spotify and YouTube and Apple Music and all those other things. But besides that, just the room, not just putting up a couple lights, all the stuff, <laughs> no play on words, just jacking around. But what I'm trying to say is we've been using remnants of things for a long time. And I'm not afraid of it. I'm just saying it's all dying. <laughs> That's why you hear stuff screeching and stuff falling apart. But we're not afraid of it. We're in a new season as the 12th moment gets established, as that 12th gate locks down in place and that door starts to shut. God is going to raise up a church to be established, to do something incredible. You heard it here in this moment. That's what I'm talking about. That's why that Build This House, that legacy project that people give money to are so important because we're going to advance the kingdom. And Lord knows as we advance the kingdom and grow, we're going to have to fix the parking lot and add more parking and do, it's okay. It all falls in line. That's why it's so important. Let me ask you, have you ever gone to a gated community? It's hard sometimes to get in, isn't it? Unless you know somebody. But here's the thing in the reality. The only way in a gated community is with a keypad. It, and that's the only way that you can get in. And if you don't have the keypad, you can't get in. And here's what's the reality of this at the end of it. You have a, a code, and in the end, what, what I found out in the Revelations 21, it says, as the gates were established, the angel of the Lord would stand in its place. That's crazy because then that means that uh, the angel of the Lord's standing there so nobody can break into heaven. You can't break into heaven. There ain't no way you're breaking into heaven. You can't break into heaven. You know those angels will be standing there. Those big old angels, what you trying to do? But you know what's amazing? is You can't break into heaven, but heaven can break out on earth. You can't break in, but it can break out. And I think that's what God's trying to establish, that there's a breakout moment. As you establish the, that you are following Christ and you are building the local church. The Bible says that the 
twelfth gate is established that the king of the earth and the people, they all bring, they all come together into the new Jerusalem. you got to read it. It's a buck wild thing. But when you get to the twelfth moment, that twelfth gate, I believe each year, yes, it's a gateway. It's to a new year. It's to a new season. God is trying to do something. But I'll tell you this, until Jesus comes, this church will continue to stand. This church will continue to go further, no matter what, until Jesus comes back. And if I'm gone and everybody else and the next generation is here, this church, this local church is going to keep going further than ever before. It'll be here the whole time. And see, too many times that everything is key activated. But what we don't realize with the sound that we can give and the things that we say and the stuff we can give to the Lord when we open our mouth and declare. What does it say in the Bible about declaring with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died and he rose again? See, it's not a physical code. That What God's trying to tell you and establish that this is a voice activated thing. This is it, church. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter about all that. You're at the gate. It's strange that what I love is that you can be in one. This is why it's so important about the gate. In one moment, you can walk into church feeling a certain way. Remnant worship could start singing. Hear this. They start singing, and guess what? You can be in one area, and then all of a sudden, you start going to another gate. I thought one thing when I came in, and now, wait, I'm, I'm praising him. I'm through a gate praising him. Wait, hold on. That's the music I hear. Now it's opened me up. Now I'm giving thanks. Now I'm in a, in a gate of thanksgiving. Wait, wait. I'm entering the gate of thanksgiving. What's the Bible say? Enter his gates with, and his courts with, so what worship does, it allows us to get through these different gates. Whatever I thought isn't what it needs to be anymore. Because as I lift up my, my voice to heaven, as I talk to the Lord, I start changing through the gates. So, so I thank God because I hear the sound and I praise Him in the courts. I'm not just in the outer courts. I'm in the inner courts. I'm closer to the Holy Spirit. Now I'm communing. I'm in the holies of holies with the King Himself, communing with Jesus. Stand with me. I'm going to pray. I'm communing with Jesus. I know it went a little long today, but man, this 12 is, whoo, it's deep. 12 years, 12 years God has established this church from a beginning, from a home over there, just down the street. 12 years. Here's what's funny. Between Matthew 16 and Revelation 21, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The word gates in 16, in Matthew 16, symbolizes in the Hebrew word prison. The gates of hell, the prison of hell will not prevail. But, but here's what's funny. It's not a prison that's fixed. It's a prison that expands. What Jesus said is I need someone who is willing to work with me to establish the 12th gate, to say I'm established, I'm doing this. So when I get heaven on earth, that means we stopped hell from expanding. When I get heaven on earth and we expand the kingdom of God, we stop hell in its tracks from expanding. Remnant stops hell from expanding. Woo. When you're in position, you stop hell from expanding. When you go to work, you stop anybody 
that is a remnant is going to walk in that. You walk in the fullness of God. Wherever you put your foot, you're stopping hell from expanding. When you go to your workplace, when you go to your families, you are stopping hell from expanding. But you've got to realize that's who you are in Christ. Heaven on earth. We are the 12th gate, church. We are. I mean, think about this. They built all of Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, they're putting all the gates in. And here's the last gate, the 12th one to establish the city and lock it in place. This is our year. This is our moment. This is the 12th gate. We're here. See, what you say, church, carries weight, and it establishes stuff. I'm the 12th gate. Somebody say, I'm the 12th gate. You establish yourself. Say, I'm the 12th gate. Woo. See, what it does, it establishes. What it does, it becomes a gateway for people. I'm the 12th gate. So what, what Remnant Church is, can I tell you just real quick, we got to go. Remnant Church is a place to get somebody out of the heat. It's a place to get somebody out of the cold. It, uh, it's a place from from the, the, the painful judgment of religion without grace. It's a place to help people. It's a place, that painful place of, of being profiled when things were done. It's a place that you can come and not feel so profiled. That you can just come in the doors with no, with no expectation just to come in the doors. That you can just walk in. You can walk in and get healed. You can walk in and get connected. That's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty. Listen, can I set you free real quick? God is not, he didn't ask me to be perfect. He didn't ask you to be perfect. What he did was he asked you to be truthful. Are you being truthful to yourself? That's what he asked. What does the Bible say? Because they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Just be truthful. Be truthful with you. Is there anybody here? right here in this moment can say, this is my moment. This is my 12th. This is my moment. Anybody? This is your moment. Put God in the middle of it. Come on. Can we shout it out? Come on. Can we give him a 12-year praise right now? Go ahead, church. Go ahead, man. Can we give him a, come on, one more time. Give him a 12-year praise. Come on. You have the 12th gate. Let us be the church.